today on CityCast Houston. Houston is constantly tearing down things and erasing its history, but today we're going to talk about something that's been saved. It's Thursday, December 2nd, 2021. Back in 2000, I worked for the Houston Press, and I wrote a story about Houston's neglected historic cemeteries. That is when I first visited Olivewood, Houston's oldest African-American cemetery. It dates back to 1875, but when I saw it, it didn't even look like a cemetery. It was so covered in vines, I could only see one gravestone in the whole place. Today, I'm talking with CityCast Houston correspondent Brooke Lewis. In Texas Monthly, she's just published an article that brings us up to date on Olivewood Cemetery, how volunteers rescued it from the overgrowth and their worries about its future. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Hey, Brooke. Hey, how's it going? It's all right. It's scary starting a new podcast. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to do great. <laughs> what do we know about Olivewood's history? How did it get started? Olivewood was founded back in 1875, shortly after slavery ended, and it was, you know, a source of pride in the Black community. A group of leaders came together to found um, the cemetery site, and it was in what we now know as the Heights, um, but back then, Fourth Ward. With Olivewood, um, there were a lot of notable people buried there. Um, some of the people that I loved reading about was someone no known as the Singing Dennis. <laughs> and he came up with the um, with Houston's song called Houston is a Grand Old Town, which I had never, I've never heard of this song, but it sounds amazing. Um, and then just some other well-known community leaders like James Ryan, who was the co-founder of Emancipation Park, which is in Third Ward now. And then another really well-known Reverend David Dibble, the first ordained Black minister of Trinity Methodist Episcopal Church. This cemetery back in those days was a very big source of pride for the Black community. And it was a place that people were proud of. If you look at some of the monuments even now and the gravestones, it's very elegant and ornate, um, and it's still carried over years later. So imagine what it looked like back then. So what the heck happened? When did people stop being buried in Olivewood? In the 1960s. But then commercial development and residential development starts in the neighborhood. As the construction starts, the way that um, people would be able to enter the cemetery gets blocked off. There was one alleyway that the Blacks in, the, in that t time period would use to get in to the cemetery. But then um, sh this company called Shoemaker came in and blocked that alleyway. We get to the 1940s time period when commercial and residential development starts. And then at that point, you know, construction is blocking access into this site. And so funerals essentially stop. The people that were very involved in the cemetery, those people passed away. And then the family members just didn't keep up the cemetery. And then also all this commercial residential development was happening, and it just becomes kind of forgotten. So now we're getting to that part of the story I love. Our heroes enter the picture. Yeah, and I, I also love hearing this. So um, Mr. Cook, when he first discovered Olivewood, it was back in the early 90s, around 1993. And when he shows up there, it was just completely overgrown. It looked like a jungle. And I think the most entertaining part of the story to me was he's describing himself as a former Boy Scout. So he has his machete and he's cutting through the cemetery overgrowth and just kind of trying to figure out, you know, what's in here because he knows the cemetery, but he can't even really see headstones or markers. Um, but what stood out to him was when he's cutting through it, 
he comes across the statue of an angel and the angel's still there now and she's just sitting there in the center of the cemetery and just kind of like just glistening and still in, in good shape and he said that it just really stuck out to him that something like that would be there in a place where all this overgrowth was happening and at the time you know we go on to find out that he has family members buried at the site but he didn't even know that at that point he said just something stuck with him that like i need to help out this place brooke also told me about margo williams the other main volunteer williams expected to bury her grandmother in olivewood next to her grandfather so her mom and her took a trip to olivewood and when they get there her mom, she it's so funny the way she tells the story. It's like they drive up and her mom points out at the cemetery and she's like, that's olive wood. And Margot's just like, that's olive wood? Because again, she can't even make out what it is because it just looks like overgrown vines, trees, brush. You can't even really see what it is. And so she was just amazed because she just really thought that in a major city like Houston, she you know she said that she's used to seeing cemeteries kind of overgrown in the country areas, but like in Houston, she just didn't think that it could be just left like that, neglected. And so eventually she goes, she gets connected with a woman at the County Historical Commission. And um, she's like, you know, what can I do to help with this cemetery? And the woman essentially tells her like, you, why don't you do something? And she was just like, okay, I'll, I'll go out and start trying to clean up myself. And this is a woman, you know, 36 woman, just herself goes out with her lawnmower, her sickle, and she begins just cutting away at the cemetery herself. You know, it was a really emotional time for her because she was out there by herself, um, cutting away at the cemetery and she couldn't even really see like, her grandfather's grave at one point and she told me she was having conversations with him like she was just talking to him um and cry, like basically crying and going through all these different emotions about being by herself and nobody else was around and she describes too how she would look back out at the parking lot and just see her car there but not see anybody else and she would she would think that maybe somebody driving by would see her just cutting and she would think that you know someone's going to stop or something's going to happen but nobody came and this went on for several months as she spends these several months eventually she gets connected with the city councilman who helps bring out some probationers to help start cleaning up the cemetery and then another gentleman comes out with a brush hog and clears out the rest of the cemetery and she described to me that she just had this moment where she could finally see all the markers and you know she could see her grandfather's headstone and she just had this moment of like this is my family even the people that she wasn't related to she just had this connection of working for all these months and finally feeling like progress was happening and she could see it in front of her eyes so what does olive wood look like today yeah, so it looks a lot better than when they saw it back in, um, you know, the early 90s. It is a really tranquil, quiet place. And it's really interesting because it's right off Studemont in the Heights area where all this, you know, bustling, continued construction and development is happening. But when you go there, it's very quiet, very serene. And when you walk in, you see a lot of just really 
like really tall trees because I know we see a lot of that in Houston but you just forget how you know kind of beautiful it is to just see those trees just engulfing over the cemetery and then a lot of the headstones are still in good condition like the angel that I described at the beginning you see the angel and she is kind of glistening in the sun because I've gone on different days but then there's also some damage there's some headstones that are cracked and some that aren't even leaning all the way upright. And then there's some of the fencing is messed up. And you can see some of the erosion that's happening there that they've described. And that's, you know, some damage that's happened over time from flooding issues. Is there a permanent plan to take care of it now? Kind of. Right now, (laughs) you know, with these things, it's always a complicated, convoluted issue where, yes. So Margot and Charles are committed for life, it seems, to continue to upkeep the cemetery. And they've gotten help, too, where they're not the ones mowing the the grass and all that. But Mr. Cook does come out and um, tries to clean up things, and they have these volunteer cleanup days. So they got a grant for $50,000 to do a study on how to preserve olive wood, mainly on how to deal with the flooding problem from White Oak Bayou. And so that, over time, has eroded some of the graves. They actually took me to an area where... Basically, you can't see any graves, but they know that there are like headstones buried underneath or some have just eroded away completely. And so that's kind of scary because one part of the cemetery, like I described, is really, you know, elegant, beautiful, upkept. And then there's another part where they know there are probably some monuments that are lost forever. And with Mr. Cook, for example, he has two great grandmothers and one of them, he knows where the headstone is and he showed it to me, but the other one he, he hasn't been able to find, but he knows based on her obituary that it says she's buried in olive wood. And so, you know, this is just a part of family history that people are trying to keep and they want to preserve. But even with this $50,000 grant, it's only enough to study the area and do this plan but they can't implement any parts of the plan without extra money. And so they're constantly always trying to fundraise money because it just based on the $50,000, like I said, it's just not enough. So what might they do? I think with National Trust for Historic Preservation, that, you know, is one of those things where that makes logical sense because they are trying to preserve sites like Olive Wood. Um, And so there are other organizations dedicated to that cause, but I know that Mr. Cook and Margot describe just this years long work of trying to partner with other local organizations and it just hasn't happened. Um, and they described to me, they probably need at least another two to $3 million um, to, if they wanna implement these parts of the study, help upkeep some of the headstones. They even wanna do some kind of burial database where people could go and just see where all their family members are so it can be in one organized place. And how old are they now, these two people behind this effort? Mr. Cook is in his 60s, and I believe Margot is in her late 50s. When Margot first discovered this, like I said, she was 36. So that's a lot different than being in your 50s. And Mr. Cook, you know, described that kind of feeling of who else, who's going to take this on when we're gone? You know, who is going to carry on this preservation of this site? Because they've been the main two people at the forefront. Yeah, they've had help. They have board members on as part of the nonprofit, the Descendants of Olive Wood. But they've been the people at the forefront of this. And they're wondering, are other people going to step up when they leave? 
And Houston being subtropical, it only takes about a year for the vines to swallow everything again. When I was there, a hurricane had just happened. It's one of those sad realities where it's it's only a matter of when the next big hurricane is going to happen or when the next big tropical storm as someone who was born and raised here and gone through all these different storms and floods. And so they're going to continue to have that problem. And so I know that their main priority is to try to figure out how to get this cemetery to drain properly and not flood during these uh, major storms. But also it's the legacy part too that they're really concerned about. I asked Mr. Cook a question during this interview and he got so fired up when I asked him because I told him, you know, I'm sure people want this property because it is in a prime location in the Heights. So this is like just south of the Heights. It's like right below that big retail development on Studewood? Yes, it's right near the Studemont. And if you kind of keep going towards Studemont, you'll get closer to Buffalo Bayou. Um, but there's some really nice condos there, apartments. And I asked him, you know, I'm sure this is worth millions of dollars if you guys wanted to sell it. And he was like, we are not moving. This will not move. We want this to stay here forever. And he was adamant about that. But he also went on to say, like, who's going to continue this legacy? Because we don't know. And it's such a good story. Thanks so much, Brooke. Yeah, no problem. And now to let y'all know what's going on in Houston, we've got producer Farrell Gibbs. Farrell! What's happening? Well, this is from Paul Takahashi at the Houston Chronicle. I thought it was a really interesting story. There's a company named Total Energies that is going to make energy out of cow poop. Well, energy out of cow manure. You can say poop. Okay. All right. From what I gather, it will be 40 gigawatt hours of biomethane annually and divert 45,000 tons of carbon dioxide emissions. They will be setting up camp at a dairy farm in Friona, Texas. That's all for today here on CityCast Houston. If you enjoy this show, tell a friend, give us a good rating, leave us a really nice review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. Bye! It's Tuesday. No, it is not. It's Thursday. <laughs>